This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new Media Week podcast. Special guest today, Osher Gunsberg. Welcome, Osher. Thank you, mate. Thanks we're, for having me. We're in our Potts Point, Sydney office. Um, we're in the elements here. We often get a few comments that you can hear stuff in the background, like bird noises, yeah. sirens, people yelling, because we have sort of louvered windows, yes. like on a veranda, but I just love this sort of summery feel. You are in the you get, you're in the absolute thick of it, though. This is uh, one of the <laughs> former beating hearts of Sydney. It's not quite as beating as it once was. No, it's not, It's definitely, it's, um, of, as far as areas of a city that have changed rapidly worldwide, I can't really, like, the, the amount that this area has changed in the last two years is, I think, fairly unprecedented yeah, in our dramatic, country's history. Yeah. Um, the culture of, of, of this area has changed so quickly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't really don't want to get into this because it'll take us down another track, but I, I understand the whole legislation thing and how that's affected, but I don't think it's all of that, you know. I think, yeah. there, I think there are other things at play. Yeah. And it's still a good area, though, because they have a great market here on a weekend. You know, mm-hmm. daytime is just fantastic being out here. So... For me, and I'm being selfish, not all the changes are bad, but but that's that's a whole separate argument. And I... we can talk about the gentrification of Darlinghurst <laughs> another time. Absolutely. Look, um, it's a really interesting time of year to to get you in here because I mean, um, I mean, you're obviously TV is a big part of your life these days. Yes, radio is. I don't know, is it right to call it your first love, maybe, radio? Yeah. Or oh, no, absolutely. Well, music was the first thing. Music, yeah. Music okay. was the first thing, but I wasn't a very good songwriter. And if you're not a very good songwriter, I was a bass player too, so if you're not a very good songwriter, you're going to be in the van yeah. the whole time. Yeah. And I, I couldn't really couldn't really stand. I didn't want to be a hired gun my whole life. Uh, it was a heartbreak to realise that it wasn't going to be my destiny to be the guy on stage playing the song to all the thousands of people. Um, I've still been the guy on stage in front of thousands of people, but I haven't been playing a song. Mm. Uh, so I've managed to scratch that itch doing other things in my career. Uh, but, yeah, radio was the first broadcasting stuff I got into. My dad was a radio announcer in Brisbane. On the, they, It was a simpler time for EB, ethnic broadcasting. Okay. EB, yeah. So it was a simpler time. You could call things ethnic at the time. So dad used to do a Czech language program show. He, uh, he was mates with uh, an ABC announcer in, in Adelaide called Jaroslav Kovacicek, who was another Czech bloke, my dad's Czech. And... When as a kid we used to go and visit the ABC facility in Adelaide, and I was just okay. so fascinated by these quiet rooms and these beautiful old microphones and and tape machines and the smell of everything like the cleanest rooms they've ever been in, and I've always been fascinated with broadcast and um, you know listening to my dad do his show and then uh, you know getting to go into the studio with him as kids and then making little radio shows on your tape recorder as many people would have done. Uh, tape was a little anyway it's an old format doesn't exist anymore um, <laughs> but yeah so I started in radio when I was 20 at B105 and now I do the radio the breakfast show at Hit 105 which is the same station but just nearly 20 years later so yeah. it's pretty yeah, excellent so I'm, I'm really keen to just explore your more your media life I guess because yeah. Thanks to you, I mean, you're you're not Australia's podcast king, but you're up there. You're sort of podcast royalty, I think oh, we could probably call it, you oh, know. That's very so, kind of you to say. The, um, so because of that, there's a real, you know, treasure trove of stuff that are revealing about you mm. where people can go and listen to it. And I'll, and I'll, you know, straight off the top, I think of the Will Anderson a podcast with you, which is just fascinating. Mm. Now, did they he release that in two parts? No, no, that's it's all, just one. That's yeah. all one. I think he he had he sat on it for a little while, didn't he? Before he, did. he put it out, he did. If he, I remember. Uh, in the course of our conversation, we went through, uh, and this makes sense when you hear the show. In the course of our conversation, he wanted to know a few things about um, my sobriety and. Uh, there's a few things that he and I then went on to discuss and then I said but of course the whole premise of the thing is that you don't talk about it so you're going to have to cut that part out and he went oh okay so he uh, he sat on it for long enough to get it edited yeah right okay okay so that's yeah that that's a fascinating um, podcast to get into you know? yeah I mean I'm very grateful to have been there I mean that guy's the he's the podcast king that yeah well that's why yeah well, it's sort of my tofop 
is a hell of a show mm. and so much more now that the two of them have figured out how to do it when they're <laughs> in different locations right. that's wonderful and and uh, obviously Willosophy as well his other show is, is very very good um I just wish he'd pull his finger out and monetize it. Just open the floodgates, Will. And once you do it, we can all do it. Just take the money, Will. It's going to be okay. <laughs> and then all, all your own podcasts you do with other people, which every one of them is also, you know, tells the listener more about you as well as the as the interviewer. You know. Well, I follow the, you know, like anything. I just followed most, like back in, if you go back as long as you want. The Beatles copied other artists they had and then other radio announcers copied their favourite. Kyle copies Howard Stern. Everyone copies someone. So I copied Mark Maron. You know, that's uh, that's who I copied. I loved the way that he did his little monologue at the start of the show and he, he kind of checked in with his listeners and, and talked about things. And he and I... Uh, share the you know one thing in common two things we're both podcasters he's got two more zeros on the back of his download numbers than mine that's for sure um but uh and we're both uh we're both sober and so i really resonated with that and how much it helped me but uh, there was no one really in the australian language speaking and cultural speaking cultural way of speaking talking about um not drinking and a life of sobriety, and uh, it was so it was important to me to just kind of open up and start talking about that. And so I just copied the way Marin did it, and it worked for him. So yeah, you know, it's fascinating. <laughs> it's, you're very um, disciplined with your podcasting. You seem to have a, a real structure, um, apart from the actual podcasts themselves, but just the way you release. I think you make sure you have something every week, pretty much. Every Monday is yeah. every every Monday at one o three a.m. I don't know why. It's one o three a.m., but it's one o three a.m. Is that important to you to have something up every week? Do you absolutely, that... without a shadow of a doubt? Yeah. I, I, early on, when I started getting into podcasts, I was really disappointed when my favorite show wasn't there because you know I, I certainly like on, on Tuesdays, uh, smartest man in the world from Greg Proops. That's when that drops, and that's you know I look forward to every Tuesday because I know that's the day I get to get my fix of Greg. And when Marin drops a new show and Joe Rogan drops a new show, you know I. I, I can't wait for those those shows to come out. And if you miss them or if you're a day or two late, it can throw my whole – because you, you listen to a podcast, it's a, it's a fantastic form of broadcast in that it's a very deliberate form of listening. And people, del- people go out of the way and sort you, source you. And it's a very personal form of listening because you have – I was just playing with your fancy new iPhone 7 over there. But that little device is within two metres of your body all the time, all the time, except for maybe when you have a shower, all right? So it's a very personal, almost like a totem that we carry with us and that I'm allowed to be inside of that and I'm a part of that phone's interaction with you through the day, I take very seriously. And so I find the loyalty that people have listening to podcasts is far above it takes radio radio shows years to get that kind of loyalty off their listeners but podcasting is such a deliberate form of broadcasting you've gone all the way out you're kind of pot committed you've got um not confirmation bias the the bias that you've already spent all this money on this thing so you may as well do it anyway right uh this sunk cost bias i think it's called uh in that you've already downloaded it on your data plan you've got it on your phone I've gone and found it I should listen to it rather than I'll oh, just delete it and never listen to it so it's a, it's a great form of broadcasting and I'm, I'm really grateful to be a part of it We've uh, had you on the Media Week podcast I think a couple of times before I think once remotely you might have been in Adelaide Yeah sounds and, about right and uh, myself and Brendan Wood who yeah. used to do a lot of the podcast was in was in Melbourne, and then you came in when we used to record at the old Channel yeah, V. In, yeah, you're in the uh, you're um, in the back at, room at Channel V there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was our home for um, probably a couple of years, nearly when we started. Yeah, um, Entertainment Court used to be Fox Studios. Yes. they called it in the old days, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, Little Birdie Studios, it is now. Yes, right. Okay, okay. And I think it, when you came in and saw us, then you were talking about you had a photo exhibition on you yeah. finished that because you did a different photo of yourself yes every day for 365 that's days that's correct is that yes. it? and you had an exhibition on of those yeah photos, this is before uh before front-facing cameras really well it was before the selfie yeah pre-selfie pre, almost, pre, pre-selfie mode yeah um 
Interestingly, do you know which Australian first used the word selfie? No. The person that coined it? No. Carl Krujnilinski. Oh, really? Dr. Carl Krujnilinski. It was actually, it wasn't him. He was involved. It was a segment on, on, on Carl's radio show. There was a young man on the, on the telephone calling in one day about it. Um, but, yeah, I took a – I basically um, – I'm a, I'm a firm believer in you just got to do something every day if you want to get good at it. And I wanted to become a much better photographer. So I lugged uh, a Canon 5D Mark II and a bunch of lenses, two flashes, uh, two light stands, two pocket wizard radio triggers and some remote triggers around in a backpack for a year. And I took a photo. The, the idea was that I would try and take it without natural light. So I would have to light every set and every every setup. <laughs> and um, I taught myself how to do it. And... Uh, kind of went down that rabbit hole a bit um the only photography i do now is the photography i do when i take my podcast portrait (laughs) so i shoot a portrait of everyone uh when they do my podcast on a uh polaroid 1961 polaroid 110a that i've had modified okay it takes fuji peel apart 100c film of which they've stopped making so my brother who works in shanghai i went on ebay the day that they stopped making it and i saw that the packs that were $15 a packet were now $42 a packet. And I thought, this is bullshit. There's a rush. <laughs> so I called my brother in Shanghai. I said, need you to go to your camera store. Tell me how much of this stuff they've got. He said, oh, I've got a couple of hundred packs. Buy them all. Wow. So my house is full of this film. So I've got at least two more years of podcast portraiture that I'm going to be able to pull off. And then I'm going to have to change film format. So, um, I'm, I'm grateful that I still get to do photography. But I'm, it's, I tie it's okay in. at room temperature, that film, is it? You know, uh, I keep it you... as cold as I can. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's hope for not too hot a summer. Um, let's talk radio at the moment. Interesting times. Now, you're doing Hit 105 uh, Breakfast yes. in Brisbane. Yep. Now, but you're not carrying on. Is that... That's not true. That's not that. No, I don't know unless, I've, unless I've heard. But there otherwise. is a there is a new member then joining. Yeah, that yeah, program. we've got a new uh, new anchor is joining us. Maddie Acton. Maddie Acton's going to join us. He's okay. a great, yes, great talent, great, okay. uh, great broadcaster, very very clever radio brain. Radio is, if we sound like we're just making it up, then we're doing it right. Radio is a beautiful mix of um, seat of your pants and super accurate science and very intense research and it's that's what makes it so special in that there's formats uh that work and there's there's song programming strategies that work uh, proven time and time again to drive tsl time spent listening uh proven different radio competitions that have been running since the dawn of radio that make sure like secret sound has been running since the 30s i think um so Right. That's a, that's a really interesting thing about radio is that it's this beautiful mix of people who are super nerdy, um, and I, I know he probably won't mind me saying this, but you get people like radio, absolute radio legend, and I owe a lot of my career to this man, Brian Ford. He's a, a radio consultant. He's just so deep into the numbers, so so deep into the numbers, and it, it's fascinating to watch him watch him assess something. He's like a like John Nash in A Beautiful Mind, he can just see all the formulas and see everything, you know, working. He can assess uh, a radio team so well. And then there's the other side where you get people like we were describing um, on our other show that we just did. Um, you get people like Bruno Boucher, who's the radio producer for Kyle and Jackie O, who's just this loose unit who uh, <laughs> has a great brain for radio he knows how how the the science works but he's got the unpredictability that you need to throw on top of that science and i guess that's kind of why i like it so much is that you can be so nerdy Uh, but yeah maddie acton he's got a great great head for radio and so it'll be uh stav who is the fastest fastest guy i've ever worked with i i've stopped trying to guess how or figure out how he does it stav He's just like Neo in the Matrix. He can just see where the funny is and just make it happen. Not even off the top of his head. It comes out of his mouth before he's decided that's the punchline. I wish I could do it. I can't. Uh, Abby, who's a brilliant, brilliant operator. You've probably seen her. She's always in the top right on Have You Been Paying Attention? Yep. And uh, and myself and Maddie will be our new anchor. So in very much of of the way of the... um, Fifi, Dave and Fev have Byron, we'll have Matt. Okay. Now, were you also doing some new evening show? Yes, sir. Tell Richard, us about that. Richard Mercer has hung up the golden headphones, and so there was this 
gaping chasm in Australian radio where love song dedications were no longer there. And the numbers are extraordinary. We went from... We, so we put love song dedications... So that's running now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, every Sunday night. It's called Osher's Love Line. And that hit network hit Australia-wide? Australia-wide, yeah. Osher's Love Line. We're from 8 o'clock on a Sunday night. And the ratings are just bananas. Uh, in Brisbane, at least, we were going... Before the show came along, we were at 9 point something. Now we're in the 30s. Fucking 30s. Stop it. Really? <laughs> it's amazing. Wow. And the, the love that people have for this show... We've only been on air for about five or six weeks, not even two surveys, maybe, maybe eight weeks, maybe two surveys. The love that people have for the show, this permission to just listen to sappy love songs and sing along. And we've got our tongue firmly planted in our cheek. Uh, we've got Robbie McGregor doing our, our voiceover. Robbie McGregor is the sexy voiceover man from SBS. <laughs> so we've got Robbie McGregor doing our voices, and he's just great. And, yeah, people love it, man. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. And, you know, much like on Bachelor where I get to go and, and help people fall in love, I just get people to tell me their love stories each night. And it's so nice. Is that a format that could expand? I hope so. It'd be nice. It'd be nice. I don't know where we'd put it. Um, I don't know where we'd put it. But it's a, it's, a, it's a cracker. It's a cracker of a show, yeah. But, you know, we, we get them all, man. We get... Um, same-sex couples uh, proposing with each other. We get. I did my first uh, request for someone who's behind bars the other day, so we're in legit love song dedications land now. Yeah, it's pretty good. The other reason I just wanted to clarify, you will be back at Brisbane next year, and I'll just throw this out there. You do read every now and then your name comes up as a possible combination with, you know, so-and-so or so-and-so. And yeah, but... There's a new program, you that know. That sort of stuff just... That's stuff that's just... I, I generally don't take news about my career from the Daily Telegraph. <laughs> I normally wait for Gemma, Gemma to call me up. Okay. And uh, Gemma, who's the content director at uh, Southern Cross Stereo, I usually wait for Gemma to call me up and say, hey, this is what's happening, or, you right. know... Hear from Grant Blackley. I, yes. I normally listen to those people rather than the Daily Telegraph as to where I'm uh, going to be working next. Right, okay. Uh, but it's a great company to work for, a massive company. Um, it's much bigger than it was. I started before it was a duopoly. I started six weeks or two surveys before it became a duopoly, before we bought Triple M in Brisbane. Uh, so we were still rivals for the first two surveys that I was working there. And then uh, we moved in together and, and it was all... Well, it's all happening. Um, and so now they're even a, a, a more enormous broadcasting company. And I'm, I'm there because um, not only am I loving to be back on radio, but I firmly believe that the future of broadcasting uh, is multi-platform mm-hmm. and that you will not only release a, a one-hour version of your show and video, but you'll also release a podcast, basically just the audio feed of that, and you can exist natively as multi-platform. And the the company that I feel has the ability to do that um, quick, most quickly is SCA, and that they are nimble enough to do such a thing. And uh, so, yeah, they've got some big plans ahead, and, uh, and I'm very excited. We're only going to see, you know, we live in a time where mobile broadband download speeds are just going to get faster and faster and faster and 24-hour streaming data will no longer be once let's say for example on my 4g phone right here sitting on the table in front of me i've got an iphone 6 not even an x6s so it's about a year and a half old um i can still get i can get something like 20 megabits a second in some parts of the city that's faster than ADSL too, all right? Now, you put that up to 100, 200, which is coming, and it's coming within the lifespan of this phone, your data cap's going to have to be so much bigger because you'll go through your 8 gig in the blink of an eye. But audio files are still going to be the same size. So 24-hour streaming radio on your phone and streaming digital media on your phone will become completely feasible for so much more of the population and streaming video live hd video streaming on your phone is is coming absolutely coming certainly with download speeds in the 200 megabits a second which is coming um so it's only a matter of time it's only a matter of time how much of that uh hit 105 breakfast show can i see on video at this point, do they we, live stream any of it? They or? don't. They don't film as much of it as, uh, for example, Kyle and Jack. I feel do a really great job of pushing video out. Um, Sam and Rove do a, or Rove and Sam do a really good job of pushing video out. They've got uh, both those studios are, are all set up and ready to go. Um, Fitz and Whip, uh, they do it 
well, not as great as the other two. Um, Kyle and Jack, I think, is the, bench, the benchmark of, of the video. It's ironic that the AM stations in Australia were at the forefront, really, of live streaming their whole shows. Oh, really? Yeah, like I know 3AW and 2UE and 2GB in Sydney. I you think can just still, you can see just, hours of Alan Jones click on, You can just watch them all live, yeah, just, where nothing really happens. But just sits there. I don't think many people actually do it, but... Oh. It was. Uh, it's interesting that you, you can do that, but well, yeah. So FM, I guess, are really just want to say, okay, give me a business case and we'll do it. But um, yeah, they just don't see the need to. to well, it's in a on. very, very exciting time to be in uh, the the more nimble spectrum of broadcasting uh, television. The kind of television I'm making with Network 10 at the moment is the big event, must see, must watch, can't miss it, have to see it live, can't. You can't watch it on a DVR, you can't record it, you can't do it too much on 10Play because you, you'll see all the spoilers online before you get a chance to watch it and the joy of the discovery will be gone. So I like that I'm a part of shows that have that that impetus. You've got to be there. You've got to watch it with everybody. Um, you know, you can't watch it later. Like I've got half of the Netflix series Narcos to go and it's just sitting waiting for me, all right? <laughs> so... Yeah, I like that I'm involved in those kind of shows as well. Yeah. I often ask people about their management in our podcast because we try and, you know, go behind the scenes yeah. and talk about the business. But then, I again, I'll defer to your podcast with your um, Lauren Miller-Salento. Yeah, Lauren Miller-Salento. Who's your agent, relatively new agent. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a great podcast you've, you've done with her. Yeah. Where it talks a lot about the business and stuff like yeah. that. But who looked after you before her? Uh, before Lauren, I was solo. Were you? Yeah. So doing it yourself, you mean? Yeah, and yeah. before that, I was with the wonderful Mark Morrissey. Okay. So um, I was with Mark Morrissey for a bunch of years. Um, and for, I, you know, certain my career wasn't doing so great um, because I was, I was living overseas. It was nothing to do with Mark at all. Uh, Mark and Aaron Keneally over there, really, really great operators, but uh, it was time for a change for me. And so I went independent. Those, it was nothing to say that those guys weren't doing a great job. It was just something. It was time for me to do something different. I wanted to have a different relationship with the people I was working with, and I wanted to be more involved with the business end of how things work. And let certainly when the podcasting thing was was kicking into higher gear, I wanted to be more involved in in the integration aspects of of how things work. And so I went by myself and. I uh, worked with a guy who basically coached me through negotiations. Um, okay. I'm, you know, I'll tell you everything. He's a really interesting guy. Guy I, I met overseas in Amsterdam where I was working for a little while. And um, so it was basically him and my lawyer. And between me and, and him, I negotiated my, my Network 10 deal and I negotiated my SEO wow. deal. Um, and what that's done is it's given me a, a much closer relationship and a much more accountable relationship with the people I work with they can see that I most definitely have skin in the game and if they and I'm really grateful for that that they don't have to go through someone to get a message to me um, the business affairs manager can call me and I can call her um, I, I like that I like that uh, because I'm you know as I move further into the development side of things I you know I, I want I, I need them to see that I'm I'm a person who's worthy of um, trusting with um, you know buying a format from or producing a format for, uh, and it's been it's been really great. It's been really great. So the stuff that I do with Lauren, our our relationship is very much everything else uh, that comes aside from that, and monetizing the podcast and doing extra things on the side and 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 producing and creating original content. Uh, Lauren's a great operator. Um, she has a great team there at um, Harry M Miller Media. There's lots of M's. Um, <laughs> group. There's a group at the end. Yes. I think it's HMMG. HMM. Yes. Um, she's a great operator. And like I said, she and I are more in the world of creating new business together versus um, the uh, the other stuff. Um, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm stoked just doing it with... Uh, doing it with my lawyer my lawyer's a really good guy and you know we can get negotiations done 
Yeah, it's good. It's a nice way to nice way to work. So you sort of returned to ten, didn't you? I guess when you mm. came back to Australia. Yes. Um, a lot of new people there, though, wasn't there? Yeah, there were still plenty of people that had been but, there. That you'd worked with prior? Yeah, yeah, okay. which is the thing that, you know, I always tell everybody is that when I moved back to Australia and I knew I was moving back, I'd met this wonderful woman and her beautiful daughter and I was right into it and uh, I just wanted to be around them all the time. I didn't want to be in America anymore and chasing what was in America was the, the cost of that I was willing to pay for the potential of success in the States was too high. It's like, what am I doing here? Pitching, driving an hour and a half to pitch over in the valley for three hours and then going to development for, for months and months and months and months for no money when I could be hanging out in Sydney with these two beautiful women, um, you know, having a great time. And yeah, so it was time for me to go. Um, but when I came back and it was time for me to try and get back into radio the first person I called was someone that I met on my first day at B105 in 1994 Craig Bruce okay so I would say to anyone in the industry and I'm sure everybody knows but if you're newer to to the industry always make sure people feel great about you and try and always keep those relationships going because it's a small industry and these are the people you'll work with for your whole career and so yeah both Craig and, and I spoke with uh, Irene Hume as well I'd met both of them on my first day at, at B105 in 94 and they're the people that helped me get on now so yes there was new people at 10 when I came to work there but the people that got me back were the people that I started with okay um, the bachelor what, what, what were your initial thoughts when that opportunity came up I w- Look, it's a it's a show. I'm living in the States. I could see how massive it was. 20 million people watch that show every night. It's a colossal. It's a behemoth. And the way they do it in the States, where one rolls into the other, into the other, where the person that missed out on love from the season before becomes the hero of the next one, becomes the hero of the next one, and it just feeds itself, uh, was really good. I was particularly excited about the behind-the-rose shows that they do, where it's like a big talk format. Because, I mean, who doesn't want to grow up and host their own talk show? Um, so, uh, yeah, I was, I was thrilled. It's not... I got seven seasons of Idol. Some people don't get seven episodes of a show. I got seven seasons of this huge landmark cornerstone of pop culture that people who were on those episodes are still, still part of the Australian media landscape and musical landscape today. And now I'm here able to do this on this other giant benchmark of a of a format um i'm very very lucky so when they asked me the the story is that i was i was unemployed living in america paying rent out of my savings not an ideal place to be i'd lost the voiceover job for bondo rescue and um take a hot hits uh show right within 24 hours why did they why did that happen Oh, because they wanted to... Well, I'm back on Bondo Rescue. Oh. They decided to change formats and they changed back. Um, but yeah, I was, what, I was 38 and I'm hosting a, a, a pop music show for... I mean, you worked in pop music. There's a, there's a point where you're like, yeah, I'm, I really need to let someone else in because it just doesn't make any more sense sure. that I'm here. And so when they, when they let me go, I mean, of course they let me go. It made sense. I was too old for the demo. I'm, you know, I'm talking to 12-year-old, 10-year-old girls about Justin Bieber and I'm in my late 30s, mm. nearly 40 years old. I know Barry Bissell did it for a long time, but I could never... <laughs> I could never, I could never do what Barry did. Mm. So yeah, there I was, unemployed in a foreign country, paying rent out of my savings. And I thought, well, what can I do? I'm not doing anything, which means I can do anything. So I was recently divorced. So I'm um, dating, which is the worst thing ever, because when I was dating before, the last time I dated was 2003, four. There was no f- cameras on phones. There was no texting. There was no Tinder. There was no Facebook. I had no idea how to do it now. So here I am trying to bumble my way through dating in this modern world and I was confronted by these two people. There's this person that presents themselves as they are in their online personality and then the person who turns up for the date. So I thought that we should make a show out of this. And so I designed a show about it, um, put the whole format together, um, put a deck together, ran through a couple of uh, test scenarios, uh, tweaked it a bit, got it all sorted. Um, my 
pitched it around the States for a little bit. Um, a few people were kind of interested. Came down to Australia for my cousin's wedding. While I was here, I pitched it around uh, Sydney and I pitched it to 10 and 10 bought it in the room. And so there I am saying, I want to come down to Australia and shoot a uh, show about dating and I want to be down here for about three months because this is where I am in the world. And so we went into development. We were in development for about six months, maybe nine months, but about about 10 weeks, 12 weeks after that meeting, I got a phone call going, hey, remember how you're talking about coming down here to do a dating show? We're going to do The Bachelor. Would you be interested in that? And I said, yes. <laughs> so while, yes, they did call me up and ask me to do it, I had got in their face and I had gone out and, and let them know that I was in the space again and I was ready to do it. Was it very different to what you'd pitched? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. Bachelor's. Oh, okay. my, mine was much more of an in-studio Okay. Kind of. Did yours have? Can we ask you what it was called? Yours? Uh, no. Or is that still out there? No, as a possible? no. I don't think it's ever gonna. I don't think it's ever. What gonna, was it called? Don't think it's ever gonna fly. Um, what did we call it? The working title was the real deal. Okay. Who's the real deal? Yeah. You know which one of these five people said this? Right. Um, you know the people claiming to have certain things on their profile yes, versus okay. what they actually are. Okay. Uh, just basically trying to expose the, you know the interesting realities that people trump up on, on dating sites that aren't real. Right. Uh, because I'd had a few nightmare stories and I wanted to say, we should do a show about this. <laughs> yeah. So in a way, you were a little bit sad that that wasn't going to go ahead, I guess. But yeah. you could see the bigger opportunity. Oh, oh absolutely. Well, of course, you know. I mean, in-studio dating m- might come back. But at the moment, it's all about The Bachelor. That yeah. is the dating format in sure. the world. That and First Dates, I would say, are the two biggest dating formats in the world. And to work with the team at Tan, to work with the team at the time, uh, Shine, now Warner Brothers, brilliant, brilliant to work with. They've done everything. To work with the Fantasies again, those guys are just now, did, were they extraordinary. On, were they at Frio when yes. Frio did Idol? Yeah. Yes. yes, yeah, okay. they were at Fremantle, Fremantle when we did Idol. Yeah, those guys are very heavy-duty operators, and any time I get an opportunity to be anywhere near what they do and see how they operate and who they hire and why they hire people, um, I find just super, super fascinating. So I got to do three years, three years with the guys at Shine, uh, and uh, Peter Newnham was also a, yep. a, a fantastic guy to learn from. He's a great producer, really great producer. And, of course, the, the magnificent Sean Murphy, who's my EP, um, he's EP, was EP for Next Top Model for a couple of years. Uh, he and I have a similar story in that we both went out into the States and we both uh, okay. pitched and, and worked in the States for a while. Um, he got a few more shows up than I did. <laughs> he was far more <laughs> successful than me. Uh, but I'd just do anything for Sean. He's a, a fantastic, fantastic guy. An amazing head for for story and and nurturing uh, that emotional uh, journey that we go on when we do Bachelor and Bachelorette. So is he still with the show? Yeah, he's, he's now the head of Warner Brothers right. here. Yeah, yeah. He's now the head of Warner so Brothers. So that um, now they uh, changed because parent ownership of the parent company, I think, yeah. changed. So they had to go with that. It seemed to be relatively seamless that move from Shine Endemol Shine to. To warn it, yeah, it was great. Go all right. Yeah, it was great. It was great. You know, everyone's everyone knows each other, and mm. the end goal is to hope that no one, you know, notices too much of a difference between the two sorts of productions. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, it, he's great. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm pretty nerdy when it comes to how things get made, and I'm pretty nerdy with because ultimately I still am only getting paid for shows that I do. Um, the way you scale in in my business is you create a format and sell a format internationally so mm-hmm. I'm still all the time on the whiteboard and I'm still pushing things together really? try, oh, all the time <laughs> trying to put things together trying to run it past run it past Sean run it past uh, Stephen Tate and Hillary Innes at 10 okay. and just running ideas past and seeing what might go and what might get up and um, the relationship I mean, and now we're in this other world where I can just put it up on Facebook Live. You know, I can just see what works, do tests. Yeah. It's great. What it's really was because you must have learned a lot during your time in the states. Yeah. about all that. But what was that format you were on that was 
could have nearly put you in the big time as a host in the US. Ah, what, what was well, that? Well, I like to think that I was in the big time as a host oh, sorry. in the US for at least a couple of months. <laughs> oh, I'm the, well, there you go. I'm the only, at this point, still the only Australian to ever host live network television in the States. Right. And I hosted uh, 10 weeks of live primetime on CBS hosting a, a dancing competition show. Called, That's the one I'm thinking of, yeah, right? Yeah, it's called yeah. Live to Dance. Yeah, yeah. It's called Live to Dance. Yeah. They only did one season. They only did one season. Yeah. I don't know why they didn't come back, but they didn't come back. Did, <laughs> how did it go? Oh, it was I mean, great. Yeah. Getting but, 10 million a night. Oh, you really were? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Which is bananas when you think that in one night I got more audience than we did in most of yeah. that year's season of Idol. Yeah. Um, but it, it was unbelievable. It's the difference between, you know, if, if Channel V was flying in a Cessna... Channel 10 was the uh, being in the A380, right? right? And then someone says, oh, we're going to take the plane. Oh, great. What time do we have to be at the airport? When's the plane leave? Whenever we want. And then you're flying the private jet. I didn't fly, but I'm just trying to basically say uh, being on a set of a CBS television production at CBS Television City on the corner of Beverly and Fairfax, uh, where they shoot prices right. I, was, I would go to work, I would walk through the loading dock and the little avalanche man was there, the big wheel was there, all the prices right set was there. I'd walk down Bob Barker Boulevard to, to get to work. Uh, mate, it was... My, my, my parking spot was next to Nigel Lithgow because they were shooting Idol in the next um, How the next did you... I think you might have told us this story on an old podcast. It's but, okay. But let's cover it in. The, how did you get that gig? I was, did you have agency representation? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, with, I was with William Morris at the time. Okay. And I had I'd gotten my green card about uh, 10 months before that. And I... I think what had happened is that they were about to shoot the auditions and something fell through with the person that they had host, wanted to host it. I got the call on a Thursday, got the call on a Wednesday saying, can you go and meet uh, with Shine on a Thursday? I went and had the meeting. It was a three-hour meeting, which was pretty intense, pretty amazing. Uh, and I met with um, Howard Owens and James Sunderland. James Sunderland, who produced the first five seasons of Ant and Dec's Saturday Night Takeaway, which okay. is the greatest television show ever made. <laughs> um, and so I was totally nerding out on, on that. Uh, Anthony Dominici as well, who produced um, Monster oh no, Extreme Makeover, where they basically renovate a whole house in, in three days. <laughs> and so I sat there, it was like a three-hour meeting, that night, I got a call from my agent saying we're faxing paperwork over. I took a flight the next morning to New York because I was going out there to do some film junket stuff for radio. Because um, at that stage, you were hosting that weekend show. Yeah, yeah, hot hits live from LA. We were doing, yeah, we were doing syndicated, the, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah syndicated right. on um, SCA. Um, so I went to New York to do some junket stuff, and we were shooting on a Monday. So within three days, I'd gone from having no job in network television to having a job in network television. But I was just the right guy in the right place who was the right person at the right time. Was it big bucks? Nah, not really. Because no, I hadn't had a precedent. But, right. No, but I it could have become, I guess. It wasn't but... about the bucks, man. It, was about, <laughs> it wasn't about the bucks. It was about working with incredible, incredible producers, uh, people who basically uh, my EP my network EP had been the story producer for the first 10 seasons of Survivor and uh, executive story producer for the first 10 seasons of Survivor so she had guided the greatest reality show ever created um, uh, you know to its enormous success and watching in our script meetings how every second of airtime was just so valuable all right just guiding how every single beat of the show Every moment between the ad breaks was finessed and finessed and finessed. How good can we get this? How, what can we do here? How can we get it even better? And just the attention to detail there was... Mm. But, of course, you know, when you're talking about that kind of scale and you've got 10 million people watching, um, and that's not even a big show, 10 million, um, it's, you know, they've got the budget to do it. So, Do you think it brilliant. got close to getting picked up or...? 
look, when you're the host, uh, you are you're just a you're just you a, went close you're to a that traffic cop, mate. Yeah, you're a traffic yeah. cop. Um, I don't know what else was going on with the network, and I, what else was going on with other people working on the project. But no, they tried real hard to get it up, but it didn't. It didn't mm. go. It did well enough. It did well enough, but I think there were other, other factors in, involved. Um, but look, mate, I did it. Yeah, and it was brilliant. Yeah, well, it's a great story. Yeah, it was super good. Mm. Yeah, and then it aired out here, and yeah, it was it was wild, man. It was wild. <laughs> it was the best best work I've ever done. You know, um, I've, ne- I've never felt more at peace than I have on camera, live. Because at four, you know, going live to the east coast at four mm. o'clock, because mm. it's seven o'clock eastern. You know, when they count me in three, two, one, and then you're on to that big opening shot on the big jib camera that then flies above your head and goes over the four, five hundred people in the room. I've never felt more calm or more at peace or more like everything was just flowing than in that moment. But I worked really, really hard on being as as fit as I could possibly be, as as centered as I could possibly be, as rehearsed I could possibly be, as I could possibly be. Uh, yeah, it was great. It was great. It really upped my expectation of myself as to what I'm capable of and what I can bring when it comes to bringing um, whatever it is that I get paid to do. <laughs> so for the future, I mean, we'll wind this up shortly because oh, no, no, we're, we we're running out of time here. No, but, no, no. That's okay. But, let's keep doing yours. I'll come back and do you another time. <laughs> no, let's keep doing this because I've got to go. Yeah, uh, all right, all right. And I'll come back and do you another all time. All right. The, um, so for the future, you seem to be you, – you're still very keen to, to be a – to be a, I don't know, a content maker or a producer yeah. or you, you want to get really hands-on? Mm, well... At, which doesn't necessarily involve you being on screen? A digital, independent digital broadcasting is going to be what I feel is going to be what, what goes forward. We can't all be Netflix. Net, we can't all be Netflix or Amazon TV. Um, it's a pity it doesn't... I brought it out with me, my Amazon TV box. It's freaking okay. amazing. <laughs> freaking amazing it's like like a voice activated netflix um so people don't care how the content gets on their big telly they just want it on the big telly when they want it so it doesn't matter if it comes unfortunately from a a stolen torrent or a subscription app on a on your smart tv people just want the want the thing and so the the viewer is the only one that's going to win and when it comes to podcasting or the multi-platform podcasting model there's definitely things that i would like to do in that in that space um it's just kind of being ready at the time when those digital uh, when those um mobile broadband speeds start getting up a little higher that um that i'll be ready to go that's uh all these plans were put in place before Gemma asked me if I would like to go on uh, two, <laughs> two more radio. So um, I'm, I'm pretty flat out at the moment doing radio. But, but like I said, you know, who doesn't want to fly the A380? You know, of course I want to do a tonight show. Of course I want to do a chat show. Of course I want to do a morning um, breakfast TV show. I mean, what I would love to do, what I would absolutely love to do, I would love to really frighten Koshi and Carl and Lisa uh, from a laptop, hmm. I would love to create a show that can disrupt the today sunrise monopoly digitally. That people are watching streaming onto their phone, people are watching streaming onto their laptop. I would love to do that. That's the show I want to make, um, and I firmly believe that the situation that I'm positioning myself in now—that's what's why I'm in a CA intent. That's why I'm there because that's that's where I, those are the two people I think that might be able to do it. So, do you think they could be the d- Disruptors. Oh, absolutely. SCA, they've got people in there. Would, absolutely. Because I'm surprised that you say that, yeah, that, that they're – I mean, I'm not suggesting people go and disrupt SCA, but you can do your own breakfast show and put it on the phone without too much trouble, couldn't you? I'm just surprised there isn't a bit more of that, you know. That yeah, you could. In a way, it's a podcast, I suppose. But, yeah, but you but are – that live sort of yeah, you're gonna daily need, thing. Though, but you're going to need – until you have the budget to, to hire the talent – Hmm. You're, you'd better be bloody good at, oh, that's, yeah, at marketing your yeah, story. Yeah. But so. even so, but even there's <laughs> not many people have even tried bad ones. Right. Um, you know, which I'm a yeah. bit surprised about. Yeah. So I, 
that's what I'd ultimately love to do. I'd mm. love to, I'd love to take down that that dinosaur of of morning TV because yeah, um, I don't think it's helping our country. It's quite old world, isn't it? It's old world. It's all white. It doesn't look like Australia. It peddles fear. It peddles, um, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. It it peddles a a view of our country and a view of the world that is not right. Um, And I'd like to challenge that. Yeah, and just the way it feeds on that sort of celebrity gossipy thing that I thought was. It's funny when Carl Stefanovic becomes a subject of some of that, people then start saying, well... It's unfair, but well, hang on a minute. So, why is it unfair to talk about maybe his relationship, but but not James Packers or um, <laughs> you know, or yeah. Jennifer Aniston's or yeah, where do you draw that line? Yeah, and that ability to tell people something on television for the first time is disappearing hmm. on radio. I can't tell anyone on radio anything that they haven't read on their phone 10 minutes ago, all I can give them is an authentic point of view in possibly an editorial spin that resonates hopefully resonates with them or gives them an alternate point of view all right some comedy perhaps that's all i can do i can't say hey guess what i've got this new song you already watched it on youtube a week ago (laughs) no i can't say hey guess what i just found out about um uh, jason derulo or guess what i just found out about drake it's like you already know it because drake tweeted it and you know you knew before i could tell you so the time when those people's their but when their market um, is still people that don't have access to that kind of digital thing. Like as people get older and the the first native digital generations grow up, they, they, you know you're not going to be able to surprise them with television. So you no. better give them something else that works. And I want to be there when that happens. It's part of that whole Trump thing is the thing that interests me about that is that those people are disruptors. You know. The, they're sort oh of not the usual disruptors you expect, but they're people who've just said, yeah. Did you well, see how much fake we're, news? We're, did you see how much fake news was deliberately put out there? And I, if you haven't read it, Ryan Holiday's Trust Me, I'm Lying, Confessions of a Media Manipulator, is okay. us. it basically predicted what's going on, hmm. basically predicted how fake news, um, for example, that, um, I can't remember the name of him, he's like a left-wing supporter, um, was paying protesters three and a half thousand dollars to riot in all that, in, in Oregon. It's not true, uh, but because of the way they okay. presented it online and the amount of sites they published it on, it looked like it was a legit story. So other people ran with it, and then it became real. It's not real. Mm. Um, we're in a lot of danger because, and a lot of danger because the amount of news, the amount of fake news, had more Facebook impressions than the amount of actual news had Facebook impressions and if people are only getting their news from Facebook we're in a shitload of trouble we already are mm. we're in a lot of trouble right now mm. so I'm um, I'm excited as to what this will lead lead to I'm excited as to what this would lead to as people will reach for more authenticity hopefully um, we're going to have a very interesting time moving forward yeah what's well, fascinating this this time of year must be really important to you because you you work hard all year you, yeah. you, your TV your radio yeah. You know, and um, you keep yourself busy with all your other your own sort of media yes, interests. Do. But uh, you know, so I hope you have a great summer. Oh, me too. Time d- to fire, you know, refire yourself up. Yeah, I'm looking action. forward to. Uh, I've started get waking up. I've, I've I've got an Apple Watch, and it um it vibrates to wake you up, mm. which is a much more peaceful way of waking up, and doesn't wake up my fiance next to me when it goes off. Uh, early in the morning mm. um, luckily because of daylight saving I have a I cheat a bit in that I broadcast from my house uh, two days a week in uh, my house in Bronte so and when we're in production for Bachelor I broadcast from my house as well SCA were amazing that they put a line into my house when I was growing up in radio Doug Mulray's got a line into his house you fucking what <laughs> that's incredible from his house his house wow and now I've got a line in my house and so I have a big webcam and a big screen that I see the other uh, Stab and Abbey on and I'm able to do Bachelor production and be on radio because of that. And that's amazing that SCA are uh, nimble enough and flexible enough to allow me to do that. And 
as much as I love doing it, I yeah, I'm looking forward to <laughs> not having my alarm go off uh, so early. Uh, but I love, man, I love it. I love it. I love, God, I get up in the morning in Brisbane when I'm up there three days a week. I've got this little foldable bike. I put that in the back of the Uber because the trains don't run that early. And I take the Uber into town and um, I do the show and then I ride my little bike back to the station and then I get back on the train. Uh, I love being on the train. I love seeing the different faces because uh, here, and, and probably many people listening to this because you're industry people, uh, we all live in this bubble. We live in this bubble of our own because we're all so busy. We live in this bubble of our own environment, our own suburbs, and and we generally, our our industries are centred around certain areas of cities, usually in Sydney or Melbourne, but sometimes in other cities. And we don't, and, and then we live probably close to there. We don't really travel outside of that too much. And so you can't be what you can't see and you can't represent what you're not recognising, Right. So when I get the train, and I, I live out... Actually, I live in Ipswich, all right, which is the okay. uh, outskirts city of, of Brisbane. I'm the only white guy in the carriage. Australia isn't all the white people that you see on many television shows. It's a real shame that uh, casting of... Not MasterChef. MasterChef's fantastically cast. Spelling Bee is fantastically cast. But certainly with drama, certainly with... Um, Things like Sunrise. The block. Things like The Block, you know, exactly. You know, these shows. I get on the train and the, when the kids, when I catch the train a little later on and the kids are all coming home from school, there's got to be maybe 20% white kids and that's it. Everybody else is every colour under the sun. These kids are watching TV every day and they don't see anybody that looks like them on telly. Well, you wonder why a lot of them stop watching TV. Because it's Precisely. Just so, it doesn't represent just, them. Yeah. And it doesn't represent them. And I think we, as uh, we've got people, divisive people in our parliament who are trying to tell us that second and third generation migrants are, are dangerous terrorists and all kinds of bullshit. Please, come on, man. It's, it's up to us as people who work in the media to actively, diversively, diversification? I don't, I don't know. But, but to actively push for a more accurate representation of what the country looks like. Because otherwise, are people going to believe that every time they see someone who's not white, oh my God, something's wrong. No, it's wrong that you don't see these people. Because that's what our cities look like. This is what our streets look like. Um, and so this is why, you know, when something like MasterChef comes on, I love it because that's what, this, that's what the country looks like. Spelling Bee particularly. Spelling Bee's great. It's really, really well cast. Um, and I would love to see more of that. I really, really, really would. And uh, it's up to us because if we don't, we're going to still, you know, people are just afraid of things they don't see. If, if you know, if Tracy Grimshaw's on there every night telling you that, that this brown person's here to, you know, do bad things, every time you see a brown person, you're going to ter- get terrified. It's like, no, you know, it's just, sorry, I'm a bit tired. I'm a bit ranty. <laughs> but be more diverse in your casting and writing media. There we go. Washer Ginsburg, look, thank you for coming in. Thanks Great for me. seeing you. People, if you want to hear some more of those sort of rants, <laughs> rants. Check, check out Well his, constructed editorial, check, James. Check out his podcast. Punch uh, Osher Ginsburg into your yeah. your uh, Or you can listen to Osher Ginsburg.com. Okay, where you can, yep. Where you can listen, yeah. Wonderful stuff. All Thanks right. for having me, mate. Thank you. Speak no to you again. Adios.